Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Today we're doing another nonprofit spotlight. Or is this one in the middle of a pandemic? So we'll especially want to spotlight those individuals and nonprofits doing good in our communities. Uh, we'd love to shine a light on your favorite nonprofit or individual doing good in your community. Amy Anderson, Director of Outreach for the Sunshine Terrace Foundation and Spiritual Counselor with Sunshine Hospice in Logan, is joining us for the hour. We'll hear from representatives of other nonprofits uh, throughout the hour. And we hope to hear from you. You can reach us uh, right now at upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at upraccess. And you can call us through this hour, 800-826-1495, to shine a spotlight on your favorite nonprofit or individual. Following the news. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Today on Access Utah, we're doing another nonprofit spotlight. We'd love to shine a light on your favorite nonprofit or individual doing good in your community. And here's how you can reach us. You can email us to upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. You can call us, 800-826-1495, or we're on Twitter, at upraccess. We'd love to hear about uh, your uh, favorite nonprofit or individual doing good, especially during these uh, pandemic times. And uh, we welcome in for the hour Amy Anderson, Director of Outreach for Sunshine Terrace Foundation and Spiritual Counselor with Sunshine Hospice in Logan. Amy Anderson, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tom. It's always such a pleasure to to do this show with you and to connect with all of the wonderful organizations and individuals that, that serve throughout our communities. And I miss seeing you, but uh, we're appropriately physically distanced here. That's right. I know. I, I, it feels odd to not. I was saying to the to your staff, I'm not going to be able to give Tom the high five that yeah. I want to interrupt him. So. <laughs> that's, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you'll have to just interrupt verbally. Uh, feel free to do so. Um, so I want to uh, check in uh, things at Sunshine Terrace. Uh, how, are, how are things going at the Care Center? You know, we are feeling very fortunate that our residents and staff are safe. Um, we're really proud of our team in terms of making good personal decisions so that we're able to all show up to work and continue to take care of people. You know, there's been a lot of um, discussion about how hard this is for individuals who live in assisted livings or care centers or group homes that with the isolation that's required to keep people safe, that people are often really worried as to whether or not people are getting the right amount of social interaction. And I will reassure people, not only at our facility, but in the in the care centers throughout at least the Cache Valley, the recreation therapy team, the social work teams are all working incredibly hard to make sure that they continue to enrich people's lives. Um, all places are now allowing uh, visits outside with social distancing. Um, within our facility, we've got activities set up with small groups to keep our residents also separated. But um, things are going well, and um, we are all confident that we're going to weather this storm and continue to bring great things to people's lives. Oh, that's good to hear because isolation is, is, can be a, a real problem, not only at care center, but uh, you know, just at home. 
Absolutely, and, and and it is, I mean, we all understand and appreciate how difficult it is to not be able to physically engage with individuals. I often talk to to my clients just about how we are so reliant on all of our senses. We think about sight and taste and sound much more often than we think about touch. So for many of us during this pandemic, that lack of touch, it's almost like losing one of your senses, not being able to hug people that you love or shake hands or you know, just give a pat on the back to a colleague who you feel has done a great job. I think we all need to recognize that there is a little bit of grief that's going on for all of us with this. But, um, you know, maintaining that positive attitude that, you know, together we can work we can work through this as a community and as, as individuals, I think, keeps us all going. Well, I want to uh, talk about the uh, nonprofits in general. A lot of call for services, I imagine, and uh, some exciting things happening in uh, in northern Utah. A, a COVID coalition is, is formed. Have you have you do that after we talk with uh, Julia Bentley, who's with the uh, Alzheimer's Association? Uh, Julia Bentley, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, uh, uh, tell us what's going on with the Alzheimer's Association. Are, are, are uh, well, first of all, tell us what you do. So. I am, um, so I'm the regional manager for Northern Utah, and um, and so what I do is help to um, provide care and support and, and, and lo- lead everybody, you know, any, a caregiver, someone with dementia, or even concerns about dementia, guide them to resources or information uh, that may, you know, help them out in the future. Mm. So. Uh, very good. Uh, are, are calls for services, have they increased during the pandemic? They've they've changed they have actually um we've seen more chain we've seen more calls but the generally we see them at different times of the day but since covid's happened we've seen the uh the times that caregivers have been given you know making calls they've it's adjust it's changed a little bit and so we've you know worked around that and to make sure that we've got someone available we've got our our helpline which is available 24 hours a day 7 days a week and that Usually, we, we receive about 300,000 calls annually, you know, nationwide, and those are staffed by master's-level clinicians, and they provide support and information from, you know, anywhere from just basic information to crisis intervention. And so we've just, you know, shifted things so that we can make sure that we can adapt to all of those incoming calls at those those different hours. Mm. Yeah, important services. I can imagine. I haven't uh, haven't gone through this, but I I can imagine that uh, caregiving, especially in a dementia situation, must be must be exhausting. It's it's a challenging time. That's that's definitely for sure. So that's what we we try to partner with. You know, the other resources and the other within the community to make sure that we can lead you know caregivers to the appropriate resources so that they can you know provide the best care that they can during this this rough, you know, while they're in isolation and while things are a little more, are more difficult. Amy Anderson, do you so have Tom, any questions? In, yeah, in go Cache ahead. County, uh, we've been fortunate that there's been a caregiver support group that's been in place for many years. It's, it's in coordination with the Bear River Area Agency on Aging and um, Sunshine Terrace, and typically that was meeting in person twice a month, but but since things have, have locked down, that's being held every week um, on Tuesdays via Zoom. So if there is anybody who is out there caregiving and feels like they need that, that ongoing support, 
they can give us a call here at Sunshine Terrace um, at 435-535-5296, and we can provide them with that Zoom link so that they can continue to get that support that they need from other people who are in the same situation. As Julia said, it's changed, and, and when people used to be able to have family come and provide some respite or at least get out of their home a little bit more, um, there, there are some additional needs that, that the isolation has brought about. So I know that's what we're doing up here in, in Cache County, and I believe the Alzheimer's Association is doing things similarly around the state. Uh, yeah, Julie, you do similar things? I guess the, 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 the type of help has changed during the pandemic. Well, we have, so we have also moved all of our support groups virtual, um, you know, because just, you know, to keep everybody safe. But the, the nice thing about that is now the support group, it's not limited to your location. So you can join a support group, you know, if you can find it during the date and the time that works for you, there's, chances are there is a group that you can join and you can join from home and meet and, you know, talk with other caregivers and, and share your experiences and get tips and tricks and all of that. So, so it, so that is the benefit that, you know, the, to virtual is that you have a lot more options for for support group times. Oh, excellent. Uh, so how, how can people help? Someone wants well, to support so the actually, Alzheimer's Association. Well, we actually have our, our Walk to End Alzheimer's, which we have every year. Um, this year, again, of course, because of COVID, it's, it's a little different. It's going to look different. But we are still walking. And so the Walk to End Alzheimer's is the world's largest event to raise funding and awareness for Alzheimer's research, care, and support. And so we're not going to be meeting in a a big group like we do every year. So we're going to encourage anyone who wants to support or walk or, you know, honor someone they've lost or they're caring for for, with Alzheimer's or another dementia. Uh, We're we're all walking, but in our own neighborhoods and our, you know, within our community. So, uh, and there will be also a Part of it has a virtual program, so there is a virtual aspect to it with the, the program online, and then everyone can walk, um, you know, with their small group or their their family um, within the within the community wherever wherever they choose. So, and that's actually that's happening on September twelfth. Okay, September twelfth. Um, and what's yeah. what's the best contact point for uh, for the Alzheimer's Association? So. Um, we have our helpline, and depending on if, you know, um, the helpline can kind of put you into into connection with, you know, whatever specific topic. If you're looking for, um, you can reach me if, you know, in the, the area. My office number is 385-831-7126, and you can reach me directly. Um, the helpline is also a wonderful resource because then they can put you in t- touch to the appropriate person in the in the state that you're looking for to talk to. Um, and then if you want to register for the walk, if you go to alz.org forward slash walk, you can start your team, you can register a team, um, donate to a team, and all that. There's all sorts of information. So we've got a lot of information and resources on online on our, on our website. All right. Well, wonderful. Uh, thanks for the great work you're doing there at the uh, Alzheimer's Association. Julia Bentley, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, Amy, I love how uh, how we're adapting. So it's it's not big a, a huge old uh, mosh pit of a walk. We're doing walks in our neighborhoods. There, you know, that's one example of how we're adapting. Absolutely, and you know, I think we can see that throughout throughout our communities. I know um, one area that I've seen um, change too is is the arts, and I'm I'm 
was really thrilled to hear that, you know, the CASH um, Center for the Arts had created this random act series where they're allowing performers to come in and, and do things in small groups with low ticket prices. They're sharing the, the proceeds with the performers just to, to remind us that the arts are still there. They're still um, accessible, that we can still continue to keep that as part of our lives. So I, I hope as people are looking for things to do that they're mindful of, like what you said, Tom, we're, we're changing and adapting and, and there's still things we can go and do that, um, that were, that were pre, pre-COVID. You know, it's not, it's not quite back to normal, but there certainly are things and ways that our nonprofits are adapting. So you sent me some information on uh, a, a group that I had not been aware of, and I'm, I'm grateful that they've they've formed. This is the uh, uh, Bear River Relief Coalition, the COVID-19 Relief uh, Coalition. So uh, I guess a, a bunch of organizations have gotten together to be a central point for, for services. Tell me about this. Sure, and actually I think we've got Lucas Martin who's going to join us on the, on the program later to talk more specifically about that. He's kind of okay. heading it, but... Yeah, in the in the time of um, pr- primarily when the the big outbreak came about due to high testing volumes at the local meatpacking company, um, many organizations and just individuals realized that there was a need to coordinate services because so many people had um, had issues with with food and rent and things like that because they were quarantining, and so many many different organizations came together to kind of educate one another and then educate the community, pull together some activities and ways of getting resources to people. Um, but yeah, it's it's been pretty exciting to see how that has come about. And, you know, the, the Washington Post picked up a story about it. And it was it was a great way to see front page news about Cash Valley. Well, that's wonderful. And, and uh, positive news, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll get more details uh, when Lucas Martin from Bragg joins us a little later in the program. Uh, I want to get this in. This is uh, from uh, Hillary Shugart from uh, Bridgeland Audubon Society. Uh, she's emailed us. She said the Bridgeland Audubon Society's mission is protecting uh, the nature of Utah for people and wildlife. We're proud to be partnering with Utah Public Radio to co-sponsor the Grow Native for Birds Bookmark Art Contest through World Wildlife Day on September 4th. Do you grow your own bird food and enjoy seeing the goldfinches eat sunflower seeds, cedar waxwings eating choke cherries and service berries, or robins and juncos feasting on organ grape? Imagine flickers feasting on elderberries and sumac, too. Please submit your best Grow Native for Birds-themed artwork to katie.swain at usu.edu for a chance to have your design printed on the 2020 bookmark. More information at upr.org. That's a, we're proud to be co-sponsoring that with Bridgeland Audubon Society. That's the Grow Native for Birds bookmark art contest that's running through World Wildlife Day on September 4th. Uh, get your uh, art to katie.swain at usu.edu. Find out more at upr.org. Thanks for that, Hillary. Uh, so, uh, Amy Anderson, before we get our next uh, person uh, on the line, uh, would, uh, any group that you'd like to uh, to highlight? Sure. So I think, you know, again, the, the idea that the arts has been adapting as well. The Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art on campus is, is back open. You can make reservations to go in there. They have some exhibits that are specifically related to um, the resiliency of, of the human um, Nature. So they have an exhibit called The Day After Tomorrow that's a response to turmoil and hope. 
They have an exhibit by a photographer who did a front porch project and went and photographed 40 different families here in Cache Valley, and um, those pictures are up along with letters and poems and um, essays that they wrote about how um, the pandemic has impacted them. And I know they're also doing an event this Saturday from 10 to 1230. They're hosting a, a sidewalk chalk art community project, and that's free and open to everybody. They're providing all of the materials. Um, they want individuals to join them outside of the museum to combine you know, the love of summer and sunshine and art to create a community um, mural with shadow tracing and self-portraits with chalk. So, Again, we're all figuring out ways to adapt. Um, being outdoors is safer. So our, the museum is not just in those four walls, but it, they're going to bring it out to the sidewalk outside of them. So I hope if people are looking for something to do on Saturday that they'll continue to support the Museum of Art. So that's this Saturday from 10 to 1230. 10 to 1230. That sounds like fun. It'll be all appropriately social distanced. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, we do uh, have, I believe we have Charles Miller on from the USU uh, Gleaning team. Uh, Charles Miller, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you for welcoming me, Tom, uh, and I'm glad to be here. Oh, wonderful. Uh, so uh, what's the USU Gleaning team? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked. So uh, gleaning is a bit of an obscure word. The only way you might have known of it uh, is uh, in the Old Testament, the Book of Ruth, where they uh, the Jews would leave some... Uh, crops behind or some produce behind on their harvest for widows, the poor, travelers to gather. Um, so we do we do is similar in that we also uh, take the excess in our community and we give it to the to community members in need. So we do it primarily with fruit. Uh, of course, if you live in this valley, you know there's tons of fruit trees around. You've got a neighbor who's got an apricot tree, an apple tree, um, any of that sort of thing. So what we do is through um, the Center for Community Engagement at USU, supported by the Student Sustainability Office and the Valor Christensen Center, um, we utilize volunteers, primarily students, to gather fruit, excess fruit from fruit trees uh, or just fruit that the tree owners can't get to. And then we gather all that up and give it mostly to the food bank, but back to the community where it can serve the dual purpose of reducing food insecurity by um, – letting people get more food, and then also diversifying diets, uh, which is especially hard. You know how expensive fruit is, and so especially now when more people are going to food banks, more people are utilizing, um, yeah, food pantries, and they're utilizing resources that they don't usually have to. Uh, making sure they still have a diversified diet and still have access to fruit is more important now than ever. And this is going on even though even while students aren't on campus? Uh, yes, that's one of the great things yeah. about the gleaning team is that uh, so uh, is that we're outdoors. So we're mm -hmm. actually out there gathering the fruit, utilizing usually about four, maximum five volunteers at a time, keeping the group small, and they can separate around the tree. Um, they can still go out and go outside uh, with masks on, of course, and gather fruit. So it's a great thing and a great volunteer opportunity that can still continue even during this pandemic. Oh, that's a great idea. Uh, Amy Anderson, do you have any uh, question or comment? Uh, uh, do we have Amy? The, um, oh, no, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So I was excited to hear about this because, you know, there's especially, you know, as um, a lot of older people who have fruit trees, what a great way for them to, to be able to 
continue their canning and all of those things with the, with the fruit that they need and but still be of service to people in the community. You know, I think we all we all need that sense of purpose and value. So this gives people that chance, whether they're the picker or they're the person letting the letting the tr- the fruit be picked. I think it's just it's a great way to to be of use and value. Yeah, this is, uh, some ideas are 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 old and good, right, Charles? Yeah, and we like to think we're continuing that tradition some, and, and I think that was a good way to um, be involved in the community, which is, of course, the end goal. And uh, like Amy mentioned, one of the big things is also we let um, both some of the volunteers take stuff home because college kids love free food, uh, and then we also let the tree owner keep a lot of it. Uh, so, yeah, like Amy was saying, sometimes it is um, older tree owners who, you know, for one reason or another can't really gather their fruit that year. Uh, so we're also providing that and letting them keep whatever portion they want. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're trying to engage in that way, not only with young people with volunteers at the university, but also in the larger community and with um, some of our senior population as well. Oh, wonderful. So how, how, can people, uh, how can people get involved and how can people help? Yeah, so uh, while we do take a lot of student volunteers, we do, especially during the summer months, take some uh, let non-students volunteer as well. Uh, the easiest way to get in contact is through our Facebook or our Instagram, which are both uh, Cash Gleaning, uh, or you can email directly to us at usugleaningteam at aggies.usu.edu. Well, it's wonderful. That's such a great idea, the USU Gleaning Team, uh, to help people uh, take advantage of services if they need it and help out if uh, where you need help. Uh, yeah, with... it's, it's one of those things, as soon as you hear it, it sounds innate, um, but it took a lot of legwork to make it, and it's uh, it's a great program, and I'm, I'm really glad that I got the opportunity to help lead it. Uh, Charles Miller from the USU Gleaning Team has been with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me, Tom. We have uh, Amy Anderson from Sunshine Terrace Foundation on for the full hour. We are, if you just joined us, we're throwing a spotlight on your favorite uh, nonprofit or individual doing good in your community. Here's your opportunity to tout the good being done in, in your community and to give out information and uh, get some help for your favorite organization or individual. Uh, so here are, the, here are the contact points, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at... Uh, UPR access as well. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we will be talking with uh, Emily Malik from Sub for Santa, who's on the line. Uh, let's take a break first, and then we'll we'll talk with uh, Emily.
Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Today on Access Utah, we're uh, doing a nonprofit spotlight. We do this periodically. We'd love to shine a light on your favorite nonprofit or individual, especially in these pandemic times when the need for services has increased. The need for help for these organizations has increased as well. Uh, and here's how you can uh, do that. You can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com. This is your opportunity to tout your favorite organization and get some help to them. Upraxcess at gmail.com. Upraxcess at gmail.com. We're on Twitter as well, at Upraxcess. And uh, for the hour, we're joined by Amy Anderson, who's Director of Outreach for Sunshine Terrace Foundation and a spiritual counselor with the Sunshine Hospice in uh, Logan. Let's uh, bring in uh, now Emily Malik from uh, Sub for Santa. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. So I think uh, people know what Sub for Santa is, but in case people don't, uh, tell us what you do. Yeah, so Sub for Santa, and, I, and I'm pretty new to the board, but it's a great organization that pairs uh, people who want to help uh, children um, who may not have a Christmas otherwise have some gifts under the tree at Christmas time. So um, you may have seen our angel tree in Smith's Marketplace last year. I think there was one at Lee's also. Um, and, you know, you can go in and pick a tag off and go shopping and bring the gift back to us, and we make sure it gets to the families who need it. Boy, it seems like uh, you know, the pandemic's got all of our attention, but, uh, you know, uh, Christmas is going to come and Santa's going to come, regardless, yeah. right? But <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. And, you know, we feel like because of the pandemic, there might be families that need extra help, but also maybe more difficult to shop and do the things that we would normally do this Christmas time. So we're, you know, trying to navigate all of that. But, yeah, exactly, Christmas will come and, and go, regardless of pandemic status. Are you thinking maybe need for services will increase during this time? Yeah, we're anticipating that we'll have need for services increase just because other similar organizations have seen that kind of a trend. Um, so we're trying to, you know, do what we can do to increase our, our you know, to be prepared for that, I guess. Uh, Amy Anderson, do you have any question or comment? I know, Emily, you did a, a food truck fundraiser a couple of weeks ago. Are, do you have any plans for anything similar to that in the upcoming months? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we did the food truck fundraiser, which was a great social distance um, fundraising program. I know that it's been a lot more difficult to um, do our fundraising efforts uh, during this time, but we are um, trying to plan something for September um, that we can do outside and um, that will be kind of family friendly and then perhaps maybe like a date night friendly <laughs> fundraiser. So we're working on those in the, and they're in the works right now. Um, we're also trying to make it more available for people to donate gifts and money online um, prior to Christmas. So maybe shopping, you know, isn't going to be somebody's favorite activity this year, but they still want to support. We have Amazon wish lists. We have um, I mean, really, they can reach out to us, and, and we can tell them, you know, the top 20 needs that we have every year. And so we're just trying to make sure that, um, you know, no matter what the conditions are like with the pandemic, people can still help children that need Christmas. 
so how, how best to help at this point? We're of course, you know, it's August, uh, but uh, you know, you, so is it is it money at this point, or or can people start picking out gifts, or what? Uh, you know, what? they can do either way. So we did just set up our Amazon wish list, and that's everything's under Cash County Sub for Santa. There's actually a lot of Sub for Santas in um, the United States, so <laughs> you have to search Cash County Sub for Santa. We have an Amazon wish list, and then we also. You know, you can message us from our Facebook page, which is also Cash County Sub for Santa, and we can put you in contact with our Top 20 Needs list. Um, we're looking for gently used books um, all the time because those are great gifts for youth, and um, sometimes kids just aren't that into a story and families want to pass that along. We also take gently used bicycles, and we partner with somebody to repair those and fix them up and get those ready for um, to give out at Christmas time. So... There's a lot of ways to help, even though it's only August, um, and we all kind of feel like Christmas is pretty much just right around the corner at this point. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting closer, especially for an organization like yours. I'm sure you'd start to feel the pressure. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, so how, if, if a family is in need, what to, what's the contact point to, to reach out? Uh, so we have our website and, um, and our Facebook page, so we will put out... Um, on the website and our social media when we have applications available. And we're going to, I think, look at some options to maybe bring that a little bit more modern. And so the applications might be able to be submitted online this year. So we're in the works with that and should have our dates announced shortly here. I know that it's going to be rapidly approaching <laughs> um, when we will start taking applications. So that's the best place to look for us is on the Facebook page or on our website at cashcountysubforsanta.org. And then uh, similar contact points if a person wants to help? Yeah, yeah, we have email and we can, you know, we're active on social media, so we'll get any messages that get sent to us and we're just so grateful for the community that comes out and supports things like our food truck fundraiser and, you know, is supportive of our organization. All right. Well, uh, thanks for the, the good you're doing there. And, uh, Emily Malik from Sub for Santa uh, for Cash, uh, Cash County. What is it? Cash Valley? Cash County? Cash County Sub for Santa. Cash yeah. County Sub for Santa. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, Amy Anderson, any any other group you'd like to spotlight before we bring on the next uh, sure. group here? Sure. I mean, again, we've talked about how everyone's has to adapt. Um, for people who may not be familiar, but there is an organization here in Cache County that serves the LGBTQ plus community. It's called Logan Pride. They're located um, just on 100 North, but um, they they are actually in the process of kind of reevaluating and starting from the ground up on on how they can best serve the community. So they're going to be holding a virtual town hall meeting on Tuesday, August 11th from 6 to 7 p.m. Um, they're looking for input on how they can best create the foundation that serves the needs of our community, the services, the groups that they would like to have, um, how to make a safer space for people. You know, they've been doing, you know, brown bag lunches in the past for for families so that they can understand how to best support their their family members. Um, so they're just kind of reevaluating right now. So if people are interested in being a part of that or would like to submit questions in advance, they can email them at info at loganpride.org. Um, they do have a Facebook page that has more information on it, so you can just look for Logan Pride on Facebook. Um, 
But again, I think as we as we look at how organizations are adapting and changing, that's that's one that is really seeking the input of our community at large um, and doing this virtual town hall to kind of gather that information. So again, Tuesday, August 11th from 6 to 7. And for more information, um, email them at info at loganpride.org. Info at loganpride.org. Okay, wonderful. Um, and I believe we uh, do uh, now have uh, Lucas Martin from uh, Bragg on the line. Lucas uh, Martin, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Uh, so uh, Bragg's uh, involved with a bunch of other organizations in a, uh, I guess, a coalition now, a COVID coalition. Tell us about this. Yeah. So the coalition is called the Bear River COVID-19 Relief Coalition, and it actually grew out of um, some of the early efforts of a grassroots organization, Feed Our Friends, uh, when the when the you know, COVID really struck in our area um, earlier in June. A group of um, you know local nonprofits and um, mostly church organizations um, uh, with volunteers kind of gathered together, and within the first couple of weeks, had been responding very quickly to the need for food to be delivered uh, to households that have been impacted by COVID. Um, they'd, they'd done about 350 households within the first two weeks, and it soon became apparent that that need wasn't going to go away anytime soon. Um, so while it started out with a grassroots organization, um, the group was invited to a kind of a broader meeting of organizations uh, by Will Lust, with the Cache County's Emergency uh, Management Director, and Mike Weibel from the Bureau for Health Department. And that broader coalition had representatives from you know, Logan City and North Logan City, Cache County, nonprofits like Little Lambs, the Food Pantry, the Family Place, uh, the Red Cross, Salvation Army, and then government agencies uh, like Bragg and, and others that are just involved in the community, USU Extension, a really broad and diverse group. Um, and when we met, we kind of talked about the needs that were there, and this Bear River COVID-19 Relief Coalition was born to um, try and address the needs not just that were happening in the short term, but looking forward at what some of the expectations could be coming up since COVID-19 was likely to impact our community for a while. And there's a broad range of, of service, a lot of a lot of organizations involved here. Uh, what, uh, there, I, I think there's a central point. You have a website, do you? We do. We do. Um, the website is brvoad.org. That stands for Bear River Voluntary Organizations Active in Disaster. Um, and the website has a few different things. Um, it has a hotlines and health uh, section that details uh, the different health agencies that are involved with the coalition, uh, like Utah Strong Crisis Line and Bear River Health Department, places where they can get COVID testing done, the different clinics that are here, mental health resources, it's got a housing and food section that includes agencies like CASA that help with domestic violence and emergency housing, rental assistance from, you know, the River Association of Governments, uh, from the Cash Refugee Information, uh, Immigrant Connection, Salvation Army, Food Our Friends, food from the food pantry, all those areas, and then even a broader community services section that lists a lot of our other partners that offer um, different non-emergency services, different churches, uh, groups like the Family Place, um, and uh, Hispanic Latino Coalition members uh, with the different services they provide. So it's a, it's a very broad, diverse group. That's the brvoad.org. Amy Anderson, do you have any uh, question or comment here? Well, I, I was um, invited to participate in this through my responsibilities with Logan City, and I will tell you, it has been pretty phenomenal to just see the 
the energy and the interaction and the ability of, of people to share resources. You know, even though, you know, we have many nonprofits here, it, at some level there there often seems to be a little bit of a, a, a competition because, you know, many of us are looking for funding or, or expanding our service line. And this is one way where I've just been so impressed with how everyone has come together to share information, to share resources, to partner with each other. Um, we're seeing a, a great partnership between um, civic and, and nonprofit, too. You know, when, if you think about the work that Lucas is doing with housing assistance and how, how that partnership led to the Cash Refugee and Im- Immigration Connection receiving funding from Logan City to hire people to help individuals who may have language difficulties navigate that whole process. So, you know, the, the resources are out there, but often it's how do we connect people to those? How do we bring people together so that they know where where they can go, what they're eligible for? But then so many individuals need assistance just in accessing that. So it's really been remarkable to see. And I'd like to publicly thank Lucas for, for taking such a role in leadership with this and um, you know, we meet every Wednesday right now at two o'clock out at the um, at the Cache County Sheriff's Complex, um, just to to make sure that everybody is still staying in touch. As Lucas said, they, this is not a problem that's going to go away. Um, we're going to have to still be mindful and and stay connected to individuals as their needs are going to ebb and change. You know, employment issues, et cetera. So um, it's yeah, it's it's been pretty phenomenal to see our community respond this way. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so, Lucas Martin, uh, there's, there's some groups here I didn't uh, hadn't been aware of. Uh, Feed Our Friends, which focuses apparently on uh, undocumented workers and families, and then uh, you know the, the organizations that I, I was aware of: Little Lambs Foundation, uh, the Cash Senior Center. Uh, there's a, a broad range of uh, of organizations. Uh, so, tell us again the the central uh, contact points. Yeah, so the the website. Um uh, brvoad.org is, is the easiest place to find all the information in one spot about the different organizations and what services are being offered. Um, and I just, you know, we, we do have some upcoming events as well. I know Little Lambs is having another uh, drive-through diaper distribution on the 15th, for example. And part of the way this coalition would work, uh, that's, excuse me, from 10 o'clock in the morning to 12 o'clock out of their location at 1125 West, 400 North. Um, is you know, because they're, they're part of the coalition, it's not just Little Lambs who will be there. You know, we'll have representatives from the food pantry and WIC and, and from BRAC and other organizations distributing information to the families uh, that need that kind of assistance. Um, and so kind of as Amy emphasized, you know, there's a lot of um, direct problem solving that occurs at those meetings. And we say this is the need that we have, you know, kids going back to school and masks and how do we address that. And then the different members of the coalition work together to kind of meet those needs and anticipate new ones. It's phenomenal. And so I guess you find information on the website on the various organizations and their their needs, and then people can respond accordingly. Is that the best thing? Um, it is. If there's specific issues that they're looking at, and like if, if you're facing uh, you know rental assistance, for example, and you're at risk of, of not being able to make your payments, you know we have. Uh, programs like the housing assistance program that's specifically designed. Amy kind of mentioned that collaboration with Crick earlier, um, and they can reach out to Bragg at four three five seven five two seven two four two to get help, or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash Bragg HS stands for Human Services to get the application directly. 
uh, if, they, if they don't speak English as a primary language, they can actually reach out directly to CRIC for assistance in completing applications, uh, 435-612-2246. So because there's so many different services that are provided, um, any one of the members of our coalition really could help direct someone uh, to different uh, agencies that would meet those needs. Uh, but the website's a great place to start, but don't be afraid to just reach out and call and uh, you know, we'll do whatever we can to put you in touch with the coalition members that can help. By the way, before we let you go, um, we, we we're seeing nationally um, increasing numbers of people not being able to make, meet the mortgage, meet the rent. Uh, are we seeing similar things in in, uh, in northern Utah? Yeah, we have definitely seen an increased demand um, for the housing assistance, and I think that's an important point to make. Um, that even as people get back to work, there are some that are still struggling to find employment um, or still have reduced hours and may face those needs. And I want to emphasize that that assistance is available um, to anyone who lives in our community. It's based on whether or not you live here. It's not based on your residency or citizenship uh, status. The, the application is very streamlined. And if you've been impacted in COVID, whether by COVID, whether it means that you uh, weren't able to go to work because you're a daycare provider, that's not available, and so you had to stay home and take care of kids, or whether you were furloughed or laid off or lost a job. If there was any kind of impact that way, uh, you could qualify for the, for the assistance. And it's a very streamlined and straightforward process, mostly demographics, some income uh, documentation, and your lease agreement for us to determine if you're eligible. So, it's, it's, again, that's another example of coming, an upcoming concern that we see continuing to grow in our area. Um, since we don't know the duration of the challenges that people are facing, we really encourage you to reach out sooner rather than later um, if you're at risk of not being able to make those payments. All right. Uh, uh, Lucas Martin with the Bear River Association of Governments, uh, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, oh, go, go ahead, Amy. Uh, um, from 6 to 7 p.m., that's out in Providence where um, they're part that that's part of the coalition. They've partnered with Salvation Army to distribute um, supply boxes. So there's food and other resources available. So if there's anybody who is in need right now, um, again, that's happening tomorrow the 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. at Centro de Familia in Providence. Okay. Uh, that, that sounds like a great uh, activity as well. Uh, we have Amy Anderson with us. We are uh, shining a spotlight on um, your favorite uh, organization uh, or individual doing good in your community. We'd love to hear from you. Here's your opportunity. We will have, uh, following this break, coming up, we'll have about 10 minutes left, and uh, phone lines are wide open for you. Uh, so you can call us at 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. You can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Uh, and we're on Twitter at UPR Access. We'll have more following this break.
Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. We are doing what we do periodically. We're doing a nonprofit spotlight. We'd love to shine a light on your favorite nonprofit or individual doing good in your community. Uh, here's an opportunity. We have about uh, eight minutes left in the program. And you can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Uh, you can call us, 800-826-1495, or we're on Twitter at upraxcess. Or email again, upraxcess at gmail.com. And we have with us uh, for the hour, Amy Anderson, Director of Outreach for Sunshine Terrace Foundation and uh, Spiritual Counselor with the Sunshine Hospice uh, in Logan and a uh, municipal council member for, for Logan City. Uh, uh, maybe have you put that hat on, uh, Amy Anderson. Uh, what are the discussions? I, I know uh, there's a, uh, a mask mandate from Logan City. That's a, a recent uh, development. Yes, that went into effect on August 1st. Um, Mayor Holly Danes um, consulted with, with council and with uh, the health department and with the area hospitals and the school district to see um, what we could do to make sure that um, students went, came back to school safely, that university students arrived back in Logan, and that we were still um, able to do all we can to make sure that, that um, kids stay in school, that our economy stays strong. And so um, she did declare a state of an emergency and ended up um, putting in place the mask mandate. That will be in effect until the end of the month. Um, and actually, our city council will be meeting and discussing in two weeks on that to see how long that that might be extended to um, into the future. So, again, the, the key things, wear a mask, wash your hands frequently, social distance, and um, if at all possible, avoid large group gatherings. So, all ways that we can help protect one another to, to make sure that um, all of these wonderful organizations that we have can kind of get back to doing things the way that that we've been, um, but I think as you pointed out, Tom, the fact that everyone has been adaptable and finding new ways to do things and still connect with people that they serve and people in need is, is really a testament to how our community is so resilient. Well, I know part of that discussion, I, I think at least it was reported in the press, part of that discussion on the mask mandate was uh, you know, unifying rules. Uh, so you have a bunch of students coming back to USU. You have a bunch of students going back mm-hmm. to K through 12, and uh, <laughs> uh, even increased need to make sure everybody's safe. Exactly. Well, and you know, my my my, my thoughts on it were too that you know, if you're a, if you're in school, if you're either a university student or you're a K through 12 student. If you're wearing a mask all the time when you're in the classroom or in school and you're practicing that, but yet you go out into the public and you see individuals who aren't, it kind of sends a mixed message as to, you know, what what you should do to, to keep yourself safe. So to me, it's that, that education piece is important um, for our community at large, that we wear a mask, not, not for ourselves, but for others, because the cases that are asymptomatic or people who may have COVID-19 and don't know it, um, but could be contagious, is, is probably much higher than was originally thought. So this is a way that we can all we can all serve our community, kind of what we're talking about today, doing good in our community. This is a way that we can all do good in our community um, by protecting other people who um, um, might be more susceptible to the disease. We talked early in the program about Sunshine Terrace, of course, and, uh, uh, and maybe others who are somewhat isolated 
Um, and I, I think we worried we worry about those folks, and and uh, that isolation can be a, a real problem. Uh, maybe you could uh, say a little bit more about uh, you know return to that subject. How, how can we best reach out to those folks and and keep everybody safe sure, at the same so time? Yeah. So actually, there is a um, there is a program here in Cass County. It's being run through the Retired and Senior Volunteer Program of Cash and Rich, where they are doing um, notes a notes to neighbor program. So individuals can connect with them and just write a note of cheer and support. Um, people can they can put include their name if they'd like to see maybe the individual that receives it might be interested in becoming more of a pen pal like the old fashioned pen pal days. Um, but Hannah Cragen of the R is the director of the RSVP program, and she can be reached at 435-760-4472 if people are interested in participating in that. Again, it's it's just a way of reminding people that others are out there thinking of them. They're also doing um, companionship phone calls. So if people are have time in their day and are willing to call somebody who might be isolated, who might be feeling a little bit disconnected. Um, there's a, a brief training program that people can go through to um, be able to reach out and make those phone calls. So to for individuals who are living at home, um, even individuals who are, like you said, are in assisted living or skilled care centers, you know, they that idea of reaching out to someone in the outside of their four walls can be really helpful. So I know that's one way that individuals can help um, help others stay connected. Oh, what a great idea. Would, uh, give us the contact point again. Sure. So, so her name is Hannah Cragen, and she can be reached at 435-760-4472. And so that program provides those notes to across, across Cash and Rich County to assisted living centers, to nursing homes, to individuals who are, you know, in their own homes. Um, but again, yeah, just I know how I much how much I like to get mail, but <laughs> maybe that's because I'm of that generation. But there's something about whole, you know recognizing that someone took the time to write you something. I think is pretty is pretty special. Yeah, that is that is special. That's that's a that's a wonderful program. Uh, so we have about oh, two or three minutes left. Uh, any other groups you'd like to highlight? Yeah, so or, I just want to quickly point out that the Loaves and Fishes Community Meal is still going on. That's every first and third Saturday from 11.30 to 1. It's at First Presbyterian Church in Logan, which is at the corner of Center and 200 West. It is a drive-up meal now, so people come through and they are asked how many meals they need, and those are, are placed in their car, so hands-free. But again, also two-time, it's a, it's a place that people can just have that brief conversation, a check-in, how are you doing, is there anything you need, um, and they can identify other resources for people. So, again, every first and third Saturday from 1130 to 1 at Center and 200 West, free meal um, for individuals. And I also want to point out that um, this is the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment this year, and so the Cash Celebration of Women's Suffrage is going to be holding an event on Wednesday, August 26th from 630 to 730 at the historic courthouse here in Cache County on Main Street. So, you know, people are encouraged to come out for that civic celebration um, with a variety of speakers and some music, just kind of recognizing the importance of 
providing to everyone the right to vote. I think especially here in an election year, there'll be voter registration drive as part of that, um, and also information on how other individuals can get run, involved in running for office as well. So, again, August 26th at the Cash County Courthouse from 630 to 730. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, and you've, just to have a minute left, you've mentioned a couple times in this hour, Amy Anderson, about arts organizations that have been especially hard hit. Uh, how best to support our arts organizations? Well, I think, again, when there are events, um, please attend those. You know, so, for example, the, the Cash Center for the Arts, um, go to their website, look and see. Tickets for those events are like $10 a piece. I know organizations like Stokes Nature Center are still doing their Canyon Jams because that's an outdoor event. They've also done some live streaming. Um, we want to make sure that we maintain those those habits and those patterns of support and and also enrichment for ourselves. So, you know, keep an eye out for, for when things are happening. The Utah Theater, which is a nonprofit, they're, they're showing movies, um, you know, in social distancing and limiting the numbers. So there's still, there's still things happening. Um, there's still things that are going to continue to happen throughout this, this crisis. And, you know, again, I, I just can't say enough how impressed I am with the resiliency of our community to adapt, to change, to find ways to still stay connected with each other and still continue to support those nonprofits that do so much for us. Yeah, I'd echo that. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who's who's doing so much good, especially during these times. Amy Anderson's been with us from the Sunshine Terrace Foundation. Thanks, uh, thanks for all the good you do. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome, Tom. I'm, I'm always happy to do this. It's great. It's great to be part of such a wonderful community. And uh, keep keep those uh, uh, suggestions coming. Uh, the the organizations you like spotlight upraxis at gmail dot com is the place to email us. And uh, we have tomorrow uh, a program on uh, the 75th anniversary of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, nuclear legacy, and we'll talk about downwinders as well. Salt Lake City writer Mary Dixon will join me. That's the program tomorrow. Thanks for listening today.